The Laughter Permitted Podcast and Season 6 Dopies are brought to you by Ally. Kick back, relax, and unwind. Let's have a good time finding the joy in life. We're smiling so bright, talking and laughing combined. Feeling alright, get comfortable listening. It's Laughter Permitted. the crowd noise, Lynn. Welcome to the Season 6 Dopey's Award Show. I'm Julie Foudy, and I'm here with Lynn Ozawi. Hi, Lynn. Hey there, Jules. It's time, once again, for the award show that has no point. Other than to make you smile, of course. And hopefully give you a few laughs. After permitted, after all... We call them the Dopies, of course, as a nod to you all, our dope village. So, let's do this, party people! The first Dopey goes to New York City Marathon champion and Olympic medalist Shalane Flanagan, who, in retirement, mind you, decided to run six marathons in six weeks last year. Because of that, we are giving Shalane the Holy Shit, That's a Lot of Marathons Award. Where did this idea of, hey, I'm going to tackle six of the world's major marathons in six weeks come from? Oh, um, yes. I recently retired in 2019. And upon that retirement, I had two reconstructive knee surgeries that took me out of running for a year. And I always knew I loved running, but I was definitely using it as a vehicle to try to win races. And, um, it was my job, but when I retired, which we all know is an hard change, um, yeah. and pivot in life. And it, even though I was excited for it, I definitely struggled upon retirement and not running. And I realized that running more than for the physical health was for my mental health. And when I kind of had that epiphany and I could start running again, I thought, man, I really crave just having a goal. And, the pandemic was like a goalless abyss that took so many <laughs> things away from us. That might be the greatest yeah. description goalless of the pandemic. Abyss. <laughs> so I was like, man, I need a goal. And I just mm. wanted to get back in shape and have a reason to be in shape. I'm, I'm not really good at just, you know, going out there and slogging the miles. I like to have a purpose behind yeah. it. And I saw that the Abbott world majors had unveiled their schedule. And because of the pandemic, they squished them all together in a short span of time in 42 days, six of them. And I thought, man, that looks like fun. Like you should grab someone to grab the girlfriends or guy friends and they should travel the world and, and run all these marathons, like a bucket list challenge. And then I thought, wait, why not me? I'm very capable of doing this. <laughs> if, if my health and my body would allow me. So I mulled over it with my PT who helped me through my two surgeries and said, you know, is this, is this, is this crazy? And she's like, yes, but we should totally do it. (laughs) She supported your craziness. That's a good friend. Yes. Um, she in fact joined me in Berlin and ran Berlin marathon. So, um, yeah, I, I, I brought it to Nike as well. And they said, how can we help you? And we've just gone from there. So, um, yeah, it's, it's been, it's been an incredible journey and I'm going to be sad when it's over, to be honest. It's, really? I've had a really fun time. Yeah. You know, it's, it's all about the people you surround yourself with. And my uh-huh. team that I've done this with has just been some really like 
badass people. And, um, Aww. I just have had a lot of fun. I've been able to bring my son, um, Jack on for most of it and just, you know, having him around, um, you know, I didn't have him during my career. So this is kind of fun to, to have him part of my running life a little bit. How nice to have this big, hairy, audacious goal. And when you're nearing the end of it, instead of being like, Oh, thank God, I'm almost done. You're thinking, Oh, I want this yeah. to keep going. That's so nice. Yeah, I know. Well, yeah, it's just been fun to reunite with the running community. I think when we've been extracted and just kind of shoved in our homes with, with just our families, we've craved a lot of that social interaction in person. And I miss giving people sweaty high fives and hugs <laughs> and um, just being a part of that enthusiasm. And that's infectious and is motivating for all aspects of life. You know, you leave a marathon and you're inspired for a long time to get mm. out there and, and get after your goals, whether you ran one or just watched one. So I just, yeah, I miss being part of the community. And so I'm, I'm going to be sad when it's kind of over because I, I feel like I've reunited with a lot of great people. Ah, I am still in awe at what she did. Truly amazing. And you know I love her superhero muffins, her and Elise's. <laughs> I do know that. <laughs> she is a superhero. On to our next dopey. We have interviewed some absolutely remarkable women on this podcast. For me personally, I had one of the greatest honors of my career by having 94-year-old Dr. Edith Eager on the podcast. Dr. Eager wrote the book, The Choice, which is about her experience surviving the Holocaust and her life story. If you haven't listened to this episode, I highly recommend you check it out. You will be blown away by Dr. Eager's outlook on life. It's my privilege to give Dr. Eager the, did you ever read that life is easy award? To fully understand your story, um, I'd like to give it just a little bit of context for our listeners who who maybe haven't read the b book. And if if you would, let's start in 1944. Uh, you're 16 years old, Edie. You're living in Hungary with your parents and your sister Magda. Your younger sister yeah. Clara is off in Czechoslovakia pursuing her musical career. And, and by all accounts from your book, you have a good life. You have your boyfriend, Eric, which you just mentioned. You're reading books alongside the river. You're a trained ballet dancer and gymnast with hopes of actually going to the Olympics one day. And then one night in 1944, suddenly your world is flipped on its head. There's a knock at the door. SS soldiers yeah. show up. You have to leave your house and you're gathered with other local Jews and eventually... You're on a cattle car and your mom says something to you in that moment that you talk about in the book. Can you share her message? We didn't know where we were going to end up. My mother said, no one ever can take away what you put in your mind. Mm -hmm. So she's being missed. I never had an adult relationship with mm -hmm. my mother when I had children. I didn't have... Uh, my mom with me, and I miss her even today. Mm -hmm. And I think I owe it to my mother to really tell everyone what happens when good people are taught how to hate. Mm -hmm. And you say throughout the book that, that her telling you that in that moment saved your life because you knew the soldiers could never take your mind. You had your mind. 
And I decided that they were the prisoners, not me. Right. See, they could have put me in a gas chamber any minute, but they never could murder my spirit. So I, I think it was important for me to feel sorry for them and turn hatred into pity. Mm -hmm. mm. I too, they have a conscience and someday they're going to pay for wearing this uniform and I never allow them to get to me. And that's what I teach today, you know, how to respond, not how to react. There is a stimulus and then there is a response. So I tell in school, when someone says you in the English language, you're going to be dumped on. You are stupid, you are uh, this and you are that. And you in, don't interrupt that person, just say to yourself, the longer they talk, the more relaxed I become. You take the negative stimuli, turn it into positive, and when they're done, you say, Thank you for your opinion. Mm. It takes two to fight. It takes one to stop it. That's important in sports because you've got to be a good sport yeah. to be a good athlete. And it's hard in the emotion of that moment, isn't it, to not react? Did you, re did you read anywhere that life is easy? <laughs> nope. <laughs> did you ever read that? <laughs> that life has a guarantee, there is no guarantee, there is no certainty, there is probability. Yeah. There were just so many sections. I mean, I really would love to have sat with you for three days for this podcast, honestly. But and and the emotion that is drawn out when you're going through everything, when you're telling us about everything that's happening at Auschwitz, but a couple passages we wanted to pull up. And one of them that really struck me is I had thought in, in an environment this horrifying as Auschwitz, that a person's basic primal instinct would be survival of self, meaning take care of me. And, and that's, that's the most important thing. But you write in my first weeks at Auschwitz, I learned the rules of survival. If you can steal a piece of bread from the guards, you are a hero. But if you still steal from an inmate, you are disgraced. You die. Competition and domination, domination get you nowhere. Cooperation is the name of the game to survive is to transcend your own needs and commit yourself to something or someone outside yourself. You get it. You oh. got it because if you were only the me, 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 you didn't make it. And uh, it, that's what it took. It took a family of inmates, just like you two here, Julie and Lynn, you do together more than you alone or, you know, you, you have more power because you empower each other with your differences. You have a person who is listening to you. That's why God gave us two ears and one mouth. So we can talk less and listen more. <laughs> so that's what you are, compassionate listener. Mm. There is only one of you and you celebrate your uniqueness, your one of a kindness. There'll never be another you, Lynn and, and Julie, never be another you. 
Dope Village, celebrate your uniqueness. Love you, Dr. Eager. So grateful to Dr. Eager. And now, our next dopey goes to the one and only Sue Bird. We spoke with Sue not long after her WNBA season ended, and we were wondering if she would come back for another year. And she's coming back, baby! One more year! Here, Sue talks about her outlook on goal setting and the moment when her hometown crowd chanted, One more year! (laughs) One more year! But now we'd like to start a new idea, so we're giving Sue the How About 10 More Years Award. I'm actually not a goal setter, I think. Hmm. Um, and maybe this is a little more specific to like a team sport versus an individual sport. First of all, the goal is always to win. Okay. So it's like, whether you're on the Olympic team, it's to win. Whether you're on, I'm on the Seattle storm, it's to win. Whether I was in college, it's to win. It's always to win. And what I've found is as long as I keep that the only goal, everything else seems to fall in line. Hmm. Like I never set out to, I don't really have a ton of individual awards, but whether it's like, you know, I was player of the year in college, I didn't write that down in my notebook and like pin it to my locker. It just kind of came with what winning brought. And even in, in Seattle, I've never won MVP or anything like that, but whether it's like WNBA all first team, um, you know, being high on the list, like right now I'm number one for assists, but even like, as I climb that, it was never like, I'm trying to get to number one. Mm-hmm. It was like, if I'm doing what I need to be doing and our team is winning, all that other stuff just kind of falls into place. That's, that's my take on it. And that's what's happened for me. Um, so I've never sat down and said, I want to average this and I want to do that. And I want to, I've never really done the individual thing. I think all of that just comes when you win the actual title. Um, I guess the, the one thing I would share on top of that is I kind of do like a 80, I'm like an 80, 20 vibe type person, like 80% of the time. I'm, I'm on it. Like I'm eating what I'm supposed to eat and I'm working out the way I'm supposed to. And then 20%, I'm like, this is a lot. And I'm just going to go have some pizza and kick it. Like, I'm just going to go chill on the couch and watch Netflix. Like I can't, you know, I'm going to go out with my friends and I'm going to do what I want and not care, you know? So I think you have to have balance. I guess that Hmm. that's kind of where that goes. You have to have balance throughout it all. Donuts, beer, you got to You got to add that in. Those are good for the soul too, right? Absolutely. It's moments. It's your sanity. Yeah. Otherwise, you'd go batshit crazy because it's so intense. Let's go back to the WNBA. 18 years in the WNBA and I, I essentially half your life almost. And yeah. with the same team, you've stayed with Seattle this entire time, which you just in this day and age, you just don't see uh, very often drafted with their first pick in 2002. And I was watching that moment with Holly Rowe recently in your single elimination, why it's single elimination? What the f? They're changing it. Okay, thank you. <laughs> well, I, I they're hopefully changing it. <sighs> I say. So it's the second round single elimination game. To give some context, you're playing mm-hmm. Taras, um D's team, Tarasi's team, mm-hmm. Phoenix Mercury, and you have this moment. You've just lost in overtime with the two of you on the sidelines with Holly. Take me to that moment because there's chanting happening. It's craziness. Yeah. The chanting is what got me. Um, so we had actually planned to do a jersey exchange um, for our regular season game, which was a week prior to that one. We played Phoenix in our last regular season game. And I was like, hey, this is like something that, you know, a lot of people do. It's just obviously it's a sign of respect. It's kind of a moment you share. There's nobody else I would want to, you know, exchange my jersey with. 
And I was like, we've never done this. This could be fun. It doesn't, it didn't have any meaning in terms of retirement or last games. And then at the same time, it's kind of like, well, this could be the last time we play each other. Like who knows? So we were supposed to do it that regular season game, but D was hurt and she didn't travel. So then when the playoff game came, it was like the night before I texted her and I was like, Hey, listen, it's playoffs. And we actually usually like, we'll go to dinner after a playoff game, but on the lead up, we don't really talk much when it's when we're playing each other. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like we're, it's kind of, yeah, we're kind of like enemy. church state. We just, yeah. So I texted her and I was just like, listen, it's playoffs. I was like, I don't care. I was like, win, lose, whether mm. it's by 20, by one, we're, we're, we're exchanging these jerseys. Like mm. I, we're not missing this moment. She was like, all right, cool. So I was actually kind of lingering a little bit, knowing that we were going to do that when the game ended. And what I saw was Holly Rowe, like beeline it for me. And she had already kind of set up, I think Dee was already set to do like the post-game interview. And Holly was like, do you mind? And I was like, oh no, absolutely not. Like, it's actually better than just standing here looking like a loser waiting for her to finish. So um, I went over and uh, yeah. Let me join the party. (laughs) Yeah, like, oh, this is my home court. It feels really weird just to be standing here. so yeah, joined the interview. Holly did what Holly does. Mm-hmm. She was amazing. And yeah, then the crowd started chanting one more year. And that's when I like mm. could not even, I was, I was already kind of hard to hold it together as it was, you know, we've just lost. It's been like a little bit of a roller coaster mm-hmm. year in the last couple of weeks. Cause Stewie sa- sadly got hurt. Yeah. Um, so we knew that was going to put a ding in our playoff, um, not our playoff, sorry, our, like we were trying to repeat. So that was going to put, yeah, it was going to make it harder. So anyways, so yeah, when they started chanting that, I was like, oh shit, here we go. I will say you held it together. I would have been a hot mess in that moment. It was like mind over matter, bite my lip, head in my jersey for a good five seconds. It was tough. I mean, do we need to start tough. the chant one more year again? <laughs> what, what was, what's one the, re- what, yeah. yeah. No, what's the, we'll take what's these the out. reply to it? What's the response? I got to think about it. Sue, we are glad you thought it over and that you're coming back. Who's up next, Lynn? We've got the A-team, April Ross and Alex Kleinman, Olympic gold medalists in beach volleyball at the Tokyo Games. How they paired up is a great story. So they get the Swipe Right for a Volleyball Partner Award. I am fascinated in the whole partnership process with beach volleyball um, because you are spending so much time with your partner and it's a decision that's huge as we know so we kind of equated it to like blind dating I don't know if that's right but how did you guys become a team let's go back well, I mean it, oh, go ahead no I was gonna say it, it is a lot like dating I don't know if I'd say blind dating but definitely dating. it's almost like you have an app because you know everybody in the beach volleyball world so you kind of like have this app in your head and you're swiping and you're like no way <laughs> <laughs> you know is this person a good match is this like, person oh no, a she good plays match? on the left and I play on the left so like that won't work yeah she's her. a blocker I'm a defender so okay maybe and then um yeah you get you narrow it down and then you text everybody <laughs> See who else might be interested in sometimes you. Sometimes you break up in person. Sometimes you break up over the phone. Sometimes you break up via text. So does everyone have each other's phone number? Pretty much. And it's if you, really easy to yeah, get. Yeah. If you don't have it, you can ask somebody for it. Yeah. So it's it's a little incestuous too. You know, people are going behind other people's backs yeah. and uh, yeah. yeah. 
Okay, so where did you actually ask Alex to be your partner? That was a that was a process. It was actually like going on like The Bachelorette or something because <laughs> I was trying out with other alongside. Well, not alongside, but who's the who's the bachelor? Well, bachelor. You were the one, and you're like handing out the roses, oh, okay. basically. <laughs> and so you know, I think she tried out a few other partners and kind of trained for a few days at a time with each person. So I knew that I was one of a few, and I was you know hoping and waiting to be selected. <laughs> But even before that, I knew I needed a partner. I want, I had, you know, I had this goal of still getting a gold medal. I had tried twice and um, still wanted to go after it. And there were a couple of options for me as partners. And um, I could have picked a couple people with, you know, plenty of points to get right into the main draw of tournaments and, you know, kind of do well right away. But I just thought, you know, four, four years down the road, uh, I wanted somebody who I thought I could win a gold medal with. And Alex had just come out from indoor. And she was this tall 6'5 girl, just kind of looking like Bambi on ice in the sand and trying to make her way. And I had my eye on her. And everybody's like, oh, did you hear Alex is out on the sand? And um, so I watched a little bit. And then, you know, it was, there was a potential there. And I saw her at Stagecoach. Like, we have mutual groups of friends, and we both were at Stagecoach, and everybody was hanging out together. And I saw Alex over there, and I'm like, okay, you know, we had a couple drinks, and my, you know, <laughs> filter wasn't as solid as it is normally. I'm like, I'm gonna go over there and plant the seed just so she knows I'm thinking about her. And she has a different kind of take on it than I do but yeah I remember like she came up and she was like yeah so you're playing beach yet now and I was like yeah I am and she's like well you know I'm gonna need a partner for Tokyo and she just looked at me and I was like well <laughs> yeah okay and she's like no no like get better first like you know and I was like oh yeah of course like and I I mean she was right I just started playing beach volleyball I was very raw very much a work in progress so it, it's not it sounds maybe mean but it wasn't mean and so I was like, okay, yeah. And I remember being really excited because at the time I was kind of just bouncing around between partners and coaches and, you know, didn't really have any success on the beach yet. And I remember the next morning, like, telling my friends, like, yeah, I like, ran into April and she's like, asked me about playing together. And I was like, did I remember this correctly? Did I have too many drinks? Like, what, what happened? And um, so that kind of planted the seed. And I remember going back home and being just so motivated because I knew that if I, you know, got better, like she told me, that maybe there would be a chance that we could play together. And we didn't even get into the accidental text story. That one is a beauty. You'll have to listen to the episode to hear it. That's called a not-so-subtle tease. For our next dopey, it goes to South Carolina basketball coach Don Staley. Ah, this is such a fun interview. Dawn mm -hmm. told us what went into her seven-year, $22 million contract with South Carolina. Go back and listen to that. We're full of teases. We also learned about Coach Daly's coffee preferences and her Dog Champs Instagram account. With that, we are giving Coach Daly the I Follow No One award. Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts? You can only choose one. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Uh, she, as she holds up her Starbucks cup and chugs it, the last bit of it. And it's Starbucks. 
And That's a venti. Yeah, it's a venti size too. <laughs> and then what? What's your drink of choice? Well, right now I'm, I'm drinking skinny um, vanilla latte. Yeah, that's a good one. I do skinny caramel ma- macchiatos. Well, I don't know why I, I chose to go that route because I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a macchiato girl. Oh, you are. <laughs> I am. <laughs> you you're mixing it up this morning, right? Someone else brought you that, I bet. Do we even have that? Yeah, does someone, was that part of the new contract? I want a venti, skinny macchiato every morning on the desk. Stat. No, no. Stat. Like the devil wears Prada. I'm, I'm actually the star. I, I, I make the Starbucks runs. Yeah. I know. Really? Style. I do. I can see that. How many, up to how many drinks will you get on a run? Uh, our coaching staff. That's nice. That's yeah. so cool. Okay. Can we talk about Champ's Twitter and Instagram account, please? Yes, of course. How does I he run it? I actually thought this podcast was going to be about Champ. Yeah, I know. That's why I said yes. <laughs> how, how, how does he run his own account so efficiently? It's really impressive. Well, you know, Champ, Champ is one that his name, he's a champ. So he's a champion of all things. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And where does his Fairly name come? Easy. What's the der- derivative of his name? Can you tell that story? Yeah. Well, 2017, we won a national championship. And voila. It's <laughs> champ. I do love that he has no followers. I mean, sorry. He has a lot of followers, but he follows no one. No one. <laughs> no one. You know where we get that from? Who? I know. I actually know. Who? I think I know. Who? Oprah. No, that Oprah doesn't follow anybody. I'm almost positive. I don't think Beyonce. Beyonce, fo- Beyonce yeah, Beyonce and Oprah don't follow anyone. Uh, let me see. Oprah doesn't have to fo- fact check that, but I'm pretty sure that's the case. Uh, I can see Oprah see. not. Oprah follow. doesn't follow anyone. Check it. Check let it. Me, let me. Uh, we fact checking on this on this podcast right here. Come on, <laughs> real time. Check it. Beyonce has no. Two follow, she's following two people. Oh. Okay, who does she follow? Is the question. I say, Oprah um, Daily and Oprah's Book Club. Ah, of course. Back in the day, there was a point where she she followed no one. I'm almost positive. Uh, that's good. Let me see, Beyonce. Where you at, B? Let's see. Yeah. Zero. 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 Beyonce and Champ. Maybe Champ will follow me one day. Maybe. That's my dream. Dream big, Jules. Dream big. (laughs) And maybe while you're at it, work on your Lynn game skills. Because we're finishing Uh... out this season's Dopey Awards with a moment that was, shall we say, a little bit humbling for you. Okay. The game we played with Dr. Hacker was simply, Lynn, a wonderful display of me <laughs> extending grace to her in that moment of need to that, make that's her feel what you good were doing? about herself. Okay. Yes, okay. Which, is, which we all need. She was not in my head at all. <laughs> it is truly, truly my pleasure to give Dr. <laughs> Colleen Flash Hacker the Julie... You got owned award. <laughs> you got your ass owned award is what it should be called. 
How do you feel, Colleen? How do you feel? Bring it. Bring it. I'm going to stretch it out. Jules, do you want to go through the formalities of competing or just declare me the winner? I, I am going to declare me the winner. The theme of the game, <laughs> the level of readiness is unlike anything I've seen. The theme of this game is know your 99ers. All the questions oh, would be about boom. the 1999 okay. World Cup winning team. Okay. We know the rules. Five questions, all multiple choice. You can tweak in whenever you think you know the answer. Question one. What number did Shannon McMillan wear? Is it A? Eight. Correct. <laughs> I'm going to get my arse kicked in this, aren't I? Okay. <laughs> Okay, one zero. That's okay. I just given you a little confidence early on, Flash. Thank you for the warm up question, Len. <laughs> Will Julie be joining us anytime soon? I'm terrible on numbers. Please don't give me another number. All I know is Mia was nine. <laughs> Acres was ten. I do know. <laughs> okay, Len. I was eleven. I know three. Lil was thirteen. Checking the scoreboard briefly. Oh, there's no change in the score. Okay, just checking. Go ahead. Question two. Where did Danielle Fotopoulos go to college? University of Florida. Oh, come on! I squeaked in first! 2-0. Okay. God dang it. Okay. I'm Question lose. three. Oh, yeah. What was the name of Carla Overbeck's youth soccer club in Dallas Sting! The Dallas Correct. Ow! Did you know that, Flash? Two to one. She didn't know that one. And I never would have known that when truth be told. So I was out of it on that. Dallas it's Sting. only one question, sports two one. fans. Two to one. Question four. Where was Mia Hamm born? <laughs> Julie. Texas? Incorrect. Give me the give me my choices, Lynn. A. Can you just rest comfortably, Jules? <laughs> Selma, Alabama. B. Houston, Texas. Or C. Seattle, Washington. Selma. Yes. Correct. Yes, damn it, I knew that. I knew that. I knew that. Uh, sorry, we're going to have to wait a moment for the crowd noise to die down before you ask the next question. It's already three to is one. It, is, give me the fifth. Give me the fifth. Let's go five. Question five. What is Bry Scurry's middle name? Oh. Is it A, Cynthia, B, Cornelia, or C, Colette? <laughs> Julie. Just because I don't want to lose four to one. <laughs> Cynthia? Cynthia? Incorrect. Oh! Colleen. Colette. Correct. Oh, God! <laughs> I lost four to one. Thank you, America! It's been a pleasure... I have waited my entire life for this competition. I feel oh, like my so, yeah. entire personal 
and professional career led to this, wait for it, four to one moment. Do you know what? Your early squeaking strategy caused me to early squeak. I'm not going to say what I was going to say. And <laughs> premature squeaking. Premature squeakish. And because I, I would have gotten Selma. I would have gotten Selma. Part, part of competitive excellence is creating the dynamics so that your opponent is playing your game rather than you being drawn into theirs. You're welcome. I was overly aggressive with my squeaking on that answer. I would have totally crushed that. I got to play. I got to play. I got to play. This is is what I have to, this is what all my guests have to endure when I do this to them. So I'm, I... Good job, Colleen Hacker. I don't even know if I officially said it. Dr. Colleen Flash Hacker, you won the Lynn game over. Thank you. Is that a slow clap? Is that a slow clap? I hope that is a plaque in your office one day, please. That game, I think, was one of the absolute highlights (laughs) of doing this podcast. I'm, I'm glad I could present that moment for you i do want a rematch i've only thought about that every day since that game (laughs) and yes we'll get that damn plaque to you flash i promise do i promise that okay that is a wrap on the season six dopeys We will be bringing you season seven, which includes guests like, cue our only other sound effect, Lynn. Soccer star, Dr. Nadia Nadim. Snowboarder and two-time Olympic gold medalist in Beijing, Lindsay Jacobellis. And only the most decorated black athlete ever in Winter Games history, Alana Myers-Taylor. Thank you to the dopest of dope villages and all of dope land for continuing to share in this journey with us. Swaggy says thank you too. As we leave you, a big old shout out to Ally Bank and Dick's Sporting Goods for supporting us again. Please go support them. They are amazing. You can also do us a solid by heading to our Apple Podcast page to subscribe, leave a comment, give us a rating, and share an episode with a friend. We're 500. Season (laughs) 7. That has a nice ring to it. Season 7. And as always, kids, remember, sing it with us. Laughter Laughter permitted. permitted. I'm a macchiato girl.